johnsyndicate.com. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Direct from the Vegas Strip. Are you looking to access the most powerful betting syndicate information directly from the Vegas Wise Guys? The same games that players walk into the casinos and move 5, 10, 20 dimes a game on week in and week out. Learn the secrets of the most powerful betting sources directly from our office to your ears. All you have to do to walk with that air of confidence is pick up the phone and don't stall. Make the call. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Call now. Call free for your access password at johnsyndicate.com. That's www.johnsyndicate.com. Call now. Call free. We are back with another edition of Sports Insider Radio. It's hard to believe in two days, Mike, we're going to be saying it's a September to remember. Are you going to make it a September to remember, Mike? Always. It's my favorite time of the year. Um, it's where I get together outside of this strategic business that we that we operate in, you know, 365 days a year, but obviously it's feel like football season is 365 days pushed together in six months of how many hours we put in and and the amount of effort we put into this. Um, It's a lifestyle, but you know, the cool part about it is I get to do fantasy football drafts with friends. I got one tomorrow night. I have one Tuesday night. I've already had one. Keeps it exciting, keeps it mellow, keeps it... Are you going to take over the office? We were talking about that? Yeah, we're doing the draft here at the office next Tuesday night. Um, so that's going to be fun and exciting. It's, you know, it's the whole camaraderie slash, you know, talking trash and, and just making fun of people when they make horrible picks. Just like if you were in the actual draft and you were drafting, I'm sure we would do the ew card on you like we do for some of the some of the guys in our league uh one of our you know it's funny i don't think you've ever heard this before but um in my the the draft that i just did last week our accountant is in the actual league and he on average will have three to four ravens on his roster no matter what He'll take them early. I'll take them just because he's a homer. And he's like, he, you think I'm a homer? He's a homer times a gazillion. Because we always joke around. Usually you don't take a kicker early in the draft whatsoever. But in his case, he always gets Justin Tucker. He reaches for him, doesn't care, just will always, always be a homer. And he's also never won. So obviously strategically – He's not doing well, but, you know, the guy likes his uh, Ravens. And, I'm, you know, who am I to say anything? Hasn't told me he's lost a game since 1973. And that was the year I was born. <laughs> Never heard him give, tell me he's lost a game yet. <laughs> you know, you get Never, this kind of guys ever, that ever, call ever, you and they ever. only tell you about the winners. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, you know, but that's, that's part of the psychology 
of most betters, they have, you know, very, very, very short-term memory. Uh, they don't remember the losing weeks. They only remember the winning days. And especially, I mean, in our, in our, you know, lifestyle and the clients that we talk to every day, the majority of them say the same exact things. I am a winner. I win. I hit parlays. And then when I ask them, you know, just like any other sharp that I talk to gives me their P and L for the year, gives me their usually sharp. So now that we're, we're, we're digging into this, usually sharps don't talk about, let me say, not usually, they never talk about wins and losses. They don't care about winning percentage. They care about percent return on their money wagered. So for the listeners that are hearing the show, if a sharp risks a million dollars in a football season of all the wagers combined, whether they're a thousand a game, 5,000 a game, 500 a game, let's say they risk a total amount of wagers. And if they make 12%, which is pretty high, which is $120,000, that's what they'll tell me. I made 8% in this sport. I usually cap around 9% in this sport. Like every sport has a variable of percent that they're, because they know they're going to lose. They know they're going to have losing streaks, but as long as they're diligent with their money management, they're going to be successful. And most sharps, that's how they talk. While handicappers, and betters are the reverse. Um, seven and three in the last 10, or I have had this winning percentage for the season, but they don't want to talk about a yearly return. They don't look at it from a seasonal standpoint. They look at it usually week to week, day to day, and they'll tell me about last night's games of how they won. But when I ask them, well, do you know, you know, most of the legal sports betting apps, you can go in the history and you could see your, your history as a, sports better with that account they never even knew it existed because they don't care they just they're one of those most people like i talked to a client earlier today and he said said what do you bet a game he said a thousand a game so we're going into the season you know you have to have a bankroll it's not just a thousand a game i said what would you say your bankroll is just five thousand the guy literally i said okay that's not going to cut it. You're not going to be able to bet a thousand a game with five thousand because if you lose it, then what? Well, I'll see how my financial situation is, and then I'll figure it out. And and I told, I asked him. I said, "Have you ever been successful doing this?" He said, "No." So, well, this is where our expertise and our coaching, I feel like, is next level, and, and we'll get into the actual full program for a lot of the new listeners um, of what it actually entails. But what I talked to him about trying to teach him how to be a successful sports trader, his instant response is, well, if I like a game at one o'clock on Sunday, I'll bet it. If I like a game on Sunday night, I'll bet it. And if I'm winning, I'll bet Monday night. And then that's just how I look at it. There's no discipline, no structure. It's just, I like this, I like that, I like this, I like that. And that's, I'd say, 98% of the betting public are doing this. And that's why there's sports books popping up left and right. Can't even, can't even count how many there are now. Because they all know the same thing we know. 
recreational bettors will continue to dump money because they don't want to treat it like a business. And unfortunately, it's open. It's, these guys have sign-up bonuses, parlay boosts. I, I constantly get texted from my hosts all the time. How are you doing? What would you like? It's like they have such a a diligent follow-up model now where years ago with sports books, I mean, you know, you would fly to Vegas all the time when it was only really there. Those hosts didn't care. When you flew in there, you put money down and that's it. Now with, with the legalization in so many states, these hosts are constantly haggling to get money back in the accounts of all the different clients. And, and that's how they're not getting as much turnover. And, so we know that, uh, not the you know sidebar from what we're saying, but we know with Barstool, the sports book couldn't produce because from what we understand, and, and you were telling me this, I think we had the conversation when we were on the flight last week, um, that the demographic for Barstool was very young. It was people that were depositing very little amounts of money. They didn't already have wealth. They just may be getting out of college. This is something more recreational. They follow all the podcasts and the shows, and they weren't treating it like a business. And I'm sure the client retention for that sports book was much lower than if you go to DK, FanDuel, Circa, MGM, Caesars, all these top apps that obviously the demographic is much older. Even though those people are, are recreational betters for the most part, they're already well-established in life that they don't mind kind of treating it like a business where they're, they're looking for a financial return rather than sticking in a couple hundred dollars with Barstool and seeing what, you know, a 10-teamer will take you this weekend. So it's very unique. I think uh, the industry is morphing constantly. Um, you know, we're involved in so many different you know, arms of this industry. And it's, to me, it's fascinating because when I came here and I met you, what, 10 years ago now? Yeah. 10 years. Yeah. 10 years back then it was, it was very one dimensional. You know, it was, we were doing the same thing, but we didn't have the tools to be able to, you know, provide the information in real time, have these sharps connected to us where they're getting the games in real time. I mean, all these things, it's, it's, it's fascinating, I guess, because I, I get asked all the time, you know, how has the business changed by, you know, friends and, and acquaintances that I have that I've run into around here? And, and it's, it's, I can't even give them a one-word answer. It's like you wouldn't even believe how this industry has morphed and what it – and we, we figured it was going to be the case, John – Many years ago, you were saying, once the legalization hit, how is it going to change? Is it going to saturate certain markets? Yes. I mean, we go to IG all the time, and you're targeted with 700 ads of different you know, cappers that claim they never lose. And yeah, maybe that side of it is more saturated because it's the same pool of clients and potential clients that are in it. But when you get out of that and you start to see, I mean, especially from, you know, my Instagram channel, which is connected to one of the largest sharps that we've ever been, you know, um, connected with. And those guys are all business. 
I already do this. I'm somewhat successful. I understand what positive EV, for the guys that don't know what positive EV is, that's expected value. It's a whole strategic way of finding market inefficiencies. Some of the guys that I talk to are already doing it. They're just not very good at it. So they want to learn from the best. And look, I've sat in to every one of the mentorship courses with D-Mill. I've, I understand the language, which is a whole you know, issue in itself. I, I learned, I educated myself, and now that I've been doing this for as many years, you know, I'm able to reciprocate the information in real time and coach these people in real time, which at the end of the day, that's what matters in our strategy. So for, again, for the new listeners, I don't want to beat a dead horse. When no, go ahead. Released, when, when a play is released, the line has to match to what you are actually playing. The advantage of what we're doing this year versus years in the past, um, our sharps are giving us a 30-minute window to get the games out before they actually press them. So whether it's a Tuesday night release for a Sunday game, you have that window. Because in years past, those wagers were already put in. We released the games. We, we calculated about 10 to 15% of those lines were already gone. So clients had to pass on them altogether. So doing it with NBA, having a, a bit of a sample size where we've beta tested it and releasing the games, the sharps are not losing value because they have so many more outs now. Um, I mean, uh, uh, again, two weeks ago, there was the bet bash in, in Las Vegas. What bet bash is for, again, for people that don't know, it's a conference of sharps. Every sharp in the planet um, flew out there and basically did speed dating with five unique individuals that were also part of the conference. And it's, it's one of those things is what do you, what can you do for me and what I could do for you and making connections, um, figuring out different strategies, being in the know. And instead of it being a greed fest, where can you imagine that if every if they had a, a bet bash for handicappers, can you imagine that <laughs> just all in the same conference room? Uh, we know some of the guys. It's I don't need to say names on air, but that would be an absolute shit show. So uh, yeah, so it's uh, with with the sharps. It's, they're they're the complete opposite. They're looking at it as you know business relationships. And that's kind of like the, the clientele that I'm getting now directly from Instagram, which is all organic. Um, our clients that are just willing to listen, willing to learn, willing to treat it like a business. Um, and I'm not as much talking to the guy that's telling me, if you could make me money tonight, I'm in. Like they expect every night to be a win. I just, at this point, I'm very nice. I say, this is not for you. And I hang up the phone because it's not for the guy. That's the guy that's going to cry wolf after a losing night, no matter how many nights you win for him, because he over leveraged that particular day. And all of a sudden he's tapped out because he didn't think you would ever lose. So 
I know I basically speak for the both of us because we take the same calls. We talk to the same demographic. And um, in my opinion, I think this year is going to be absolutely huge. Um, We're dialed in. We're ready. Football is basically here. First of all, one of the reasons why you need liquidity in pools to make money. So just remember, this is a zero-sum game. So the reason why it's going to be huge is two reasons. First of all, with the initial, you have a, with more states being legal and being able to accept wages during football, you have more dumb money. And so since you have more dumb money, this is like playing poker. You take from this, every time you win, somebody else loses. There's no, uh, there's no, uh, it's, this is, this is, this is chess. You know, you, 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 you grab the pawn to win, to win. You got to keep knocking chess pieces off the board. So for all you listeners out there, it's like this, there's a zero sum game. You know, every guy that says they do pretty well on their own is nonsense. Nobody does pretty well on their own. I'm looking here at the legal sports report (laughs) handles for the, this summer. And as you know, I kill it in baseball because I'm not one of these squares playing the dog side. I mean, the favorite side. And I mean, listen, we're what, how far are we from Delaware? 45 minutes. So just to give you a a spread, Nevada had a 5% handle last month. Delaware had a 19.6% handle last month. Imagine that. They're making 20 cents on every, on they're making $2 on every dollar risk, right? 20% 20 they're making off the gamblers in that little state of Delaware because why? Most people are parlay betters, they're ticket betters. And so when you look at around the country, the average is about, 10 to 11%. So think about that. Everybody claims they win money. The S&P 500, if it has an amazing year, averages 8% over a course of 12-month period for the lifetime, which is about 0.66% a month. The sports books open up, and they make an average of 11% a month. Multiply the 11% by 12 months, you can see how profitable it is to be a bookmaker. A legal bookmaker. Now, uh, uh, and when I say legal, because as Cal in Kansas City is listening, legal bookmakers limit winners. So the reason why that these sports books print money is not only because everybody's losing, it's because when you actually win, you get limited and cut off. So remember, there's two ways for a sports book to win money. The first way is the gambler actually is a net loser and he loses. The second way is the the sports book algorithms detect sharp money, and you can get into that whole cat and mouse dance. You just we just talked about this prior to coming on air. You had somebody that just can't handle the volume because you got to bet you have to micro wager to be up to to play the way these guys play. You have it's a it's a game of cat and mouse. You can't have you can't bet ten thousand in one account when you see all these guys on social media showing you $50,000 tickets, they're net losers. If you're a real sharp, you're going to be able you're going to bet 301 account. You want to bet $30,000, you're going to have 100 accounts with a $300 wager in each one. So maybe you want to defer to that. So for for people out there, it is a zero sum game. The sports books, especially the legal sports books, they got this thing dialed in. 99% of the public loses. The 1% that wins, they just limit. So the question that the, the, the client should be asking is, how does that affect them if they subscribe to our services? 
how do you keep these guys getting from limited? We know the answer, so you can expound on that. We're just not going to do the live betting. The live betting is one of the biggest takeaways to get limited in, in, in a second and a half. You know what I mean? Right, and it's, uh, it's a cat-and-mouse game with the sports books. Um, I, I want to say to every client, I hope I don't have a cat-and-mouse game with the client because this is what the biggest issue we always have or the biggest hurdle that we have to overcome is can we get through a full season with a client without him or her betting their own plays? Because no matter the outcome, I'm not looking for a client to be a one-and-done, join for football, have success, and then he still didn't profit. At some point, it's well, got to click. The answer right? is no. The answer is no. We know from we know from the burn rate, which is... I'm going to change it. I'm going to... I'm gonna, All right. Well, I you, you can try to change, change human behavior, but let me just tell you why the the, the financial industry is so far ahead of the sports wagering industry because they tried this prior to the legalization in all the other states outside of the state of Nevada. They, they had these um, sports betting funds, but the problem is, is that they were, they, they failed because of the legalization. There was no reason to send money to Vegas, but the problem mm-hmm. was they were all using one sports book, Cantor gaming. And so you couldn't line shop. So you had this scenario where you could open up a sports betting fund, you could take people's money, and you could manage it for them outside of the state of Nevada. They could send it in. And the, pro- the reason why it failed was two reasons. Once it became legal, nobody needed to do that. That's the first reason. But at, there was like a six-month period where that was your only option if you wanted to get into the sports betting game, and you didn't want to go offshore, and you didn't want to deal with a local guy, and you wanted to do something what we call above board. And then as an, an additional alternative high-yield investment vehicle, you could send money to Las Vegas to one of these sports betting funds. And they couldn't line shop. So they were stuck at Cantor Gaming, whatever the line was. There was no value because the whole point of being a sharp is you're shopping lines. There was no value. But what that did illustrate is that those people, once they sent the money to these legal sports betting funds, they couldn't mess up. They couldn't go in. They couldn't bet the Sunday night game. They couldn't bet the Thursday night game. I literally this morning, today's the third day of school in Baltimore. So I'm dealing with the kids in the morning, getting them off to school as a single father, literally getting texts all morning from degenerate clients that I love. I say it with love. Anything on the early baseball game before you go on the radio, any, dude, give it a rest. If you're in a, the concept of a mutual fund, or a hedge fund is you don't have the power to make your own trades. As long as you have the power to make your own trades, you're going to mess it up. I'm going to say, you can try, you can try, you can try. Uh, I, 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 I applaud you for trying. I'm more of a, I'm more of a capitalist. Hey, I'll take their money. And if they blow themselves up, Hey, that's on them. Shame on them for not listening. You can't, Keep people from going into their account and clicking on a game because they want to watch the game on TV because they're not like you. They're not obsessed with the latest golf club that just came in the mail yesterday. And, you know, when you're not betting, you're out, you're doing things. I'm on the bike. I'm cycling. I'm into music. I'm, I'm not like even my YouTube videos. When you see my YouTube videos, you don't see pictures of teams in the background and sports. And it's all stuff unrelated. I'm very dispassionate about this. I take that mutual fund approach. Look, your 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 website where you have your webinar 
daytradesports.com. I mean, I've had that site for 15 years. You get a trader here, you get a trader there. He calls, he gets it. But the, the, the real, the beauty would be if there was a way to lock a guy out of his account and, and, and have traders trading the client's account. You know, where a client could literally, we could change the password on a client's, you know, legal betting account and wager, but it's not going to happen. So I, maybe I'm being harsh, maybe I'm being negative, but I just don't see human behavior changing. Well, I will, uh, that's going to be my mission this year, uh, going into the season to do my best to see if I could throughout a season be a hundred percent invested into our plays only. When I say our plays, it's we're dealing with syndicates. We're not originating, originating the game. So, um, We'll see. We'll see. It's uh can't really. I mean, no, no, don't gonna... get me wrong. You're going to get your 1%, just like I always say on my YouTube videos. By the way, for anybody, if they go to my YouTube channel, I just posted from 2015, the uh, the 23-minute webinar I did with the late and great Brian Blessing, as we were doing his show right now. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because as I, t- I titled it, the information basically is just as literally – would it, if you think about it, that, that, that YouTube video was recorded in 2015. There is not one piece of information that is not relevant in 2023. Basically, what Brian and I did is we basically laid out the platform of how you can bet as a business. And I think in 100 years, it'll still be relative when I'm long gone like Brian. <laughs> like I just literally, it's all about treating your wagering as a business. Not worrying about what shape the ball is. Not being passionate and sitting there wasting your life. I mean, again, the legal, the, the problem is with all these guys that call you with the nine laptops in their room in Manhattan and all this nonsense is these guys, they claim they're professionals, but what they really are is it's their hobby. It's something that when they're not working, it's their hobby. And they enjoy the process of sitting there and having seven laptops in front of them and sitting down all day. Everybody, tell everybody what position you are in right now. How do, how do you like your new setup? Standing. We, we have now graduated. Well, you know what? I had a standing desk before. Well, no, I have for 10 years, me. Yeah, so, so you how's it feel to be a standing, standing desk. Feels great. Honestly, I have less back pain. Um, worked out this morning. I like stretching out. And, uh, you know, we have the option of both. I have a sitting desk. I have a stool for a standing desk. And the cool thing about this standing desk, for anybody that's interested, you could definitely message me direct. I will let you know. Go right to Herman Miller. It's the Jarvis desk. Uh, it has a power capability of being both. So you could put it down when you want to take a sit, and you could put it up at your height when you want to stand. But I could definitely tell you, from it, and I don't know why I got got away from it. I'm not really sure. I have to think about that because for but years. My point I is, it, it my point is, my point great. is, you got people that are literally sitting down, staring at screens, ooing and eyeing every first down, every second down, every third and ten. Miserable way to live. I mean, I think it's just an absolute miserable way to live especially if you live on the East coast and you get the cool weather. Now it's nice to be outside. And these guys are like inside, you know, 
And listen, we just went to hell in Florida. You it, off subject. I love you guys in Florida. You couldn't pay me a gazillion dollars to live in that s hole. Wow, the humidity, two hundred percent. The mosquitoes, three hundred percent. Worrying about tornadoes every single football season and hurricanes and storms and oh, forget it. I'll take the desert any day over the Florida. But I just had to get that Florida rant out because I really do not like Florida at all. Um, for all you guys down there, I got f- family in Florida. I'm sorry. That's all I can say. I'm, I'm really sorry you live in that garbage state. Now, that does not have sports wagering, by the way. Um, but, you know, the thing is, what I, what I tell people is with, with baseball is a perfect example. Do you know how many texts I get a week when we win? None. When we lose, the phone blows up. Literally, people are still shocked at the dog money, still shocked at uh, the the concept of you. the two most profitable teams in baseball are the Washington Nationals and the Baltimore Orioles. Now, I got to ask you, because we're getting into football, and you know me, I don't forget about baseball, but I got to ask you, what do you think about the Ravens, the Ravens, the Orioles' postseason chances? Since they're going again, um, head to head point, with that garbage well, at this team, point, Tampa Bay and that garbage state. Go ahead. Well, they're not garbage. Tampa Bay is actually pretty good, but um, no, I'm just look, a Florida I mean, hater in or- general. So, anything, yeah, I think Florida. Well, well, the Orioles have uh, an amazing team right now, where they have all the facets. They have good relievers, decent enough starting pitching, um, a good closer when he's healthy. But, uh, let me rephrase that the best closer in the league when he's healthy, but he's been, you know, he's been hurt since last week. So that is going to be the telltale of how we do in the postseason. If we can get Felix back to be our closer, that is going to save us those one run games that even though we won last night, we gave up two runs in the ninth. So without him, it's going to be tough because we have won so many close games this year because of him. Cause once he's in, he just, it's strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. So, um, our hitters, we have a very young, talented team. And if we're not going to play, you know, in so, the wild card and we get a seven-game series and it's at home, um, we have a shot. You want to hear, hear something like, interested? interesting? What's that? So the entire season on the Futures to win the World Series, Tampa Bay mm-hmm. was way ahead of the Baltimore Orioles. And a couple mm-hmm. of months, weeks ago, I mentioned it on the radio, you could bet 100 to win $2,200 on the Baltimore Orioles. Currently, right now, the Baltimore Orioles are one hundred dollar bet wins you a thousand, and they're plus one thousand. While Tampa Bay is plus twelve hundred, so Baltimore is actually ahead. It's Atlanta. Well, we, of course, we have a better record. We're, right. we're leading. Well, the no, AL but I'm just saying, on so. to actually win it again, they're giving Atlanta yeah. and the garbage Dodgers again. You, you and that's from a the betting NL, point of view. So, I mean, if that's the other side. So we wouldn't even have to face either of those teams unless we were in the world series. Anyway, I just feel like the AL is much softer. The, all the, the really good teams this year, the Dodgers, the Braves, Milwaukee's playing really well right now. They just lost their first game in 12. Um, you know, that whole side with the NL is really strong. It's stronger than the AL. I mean, we have, the Braves, I mean, sorry, we have uh, the Rays, and that's it. It's a two-man race for 
the team that's going to be the number one seed because we're in the same division. I think we have a seven and a half, maybe eight and a half game lead on everybody else. So you're, you're talking about it's, it's one, a one B. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. I mean, I, I think that, um, the Orioles definitely have the best potential right now, as long as they get Felix back to come out of the AL. Um, I don't see the Twins. The Rangers have been terrible in the last ten. They're three and seven. They're just they're they're they've won the last two, but overall they've just been getting shelled. The Astros, which have always been dangerous every year, you know, all these teams are seven games back. It's it's a tough. It's really tough to make a seven game comeback. We did it versus the Rays because. We went on a crazy winning streak, and the Rays had a horrible, um, was it June or July? I can't remember. I think it was, can't remember. It's one of those two months where they were they went into the month as the team that hasn't lost, basically, and then they just, they stopped. So, you know, I'm, it's, I'm interested to see how it plays out, um, but it's, it's a two-man race. I mean, the next team up is the Rangers are eight games back. Seattle's eight games back and Houston's eight games back. Then Toronto's all the way 11 and a half games back. So the, the race for first place is really between our division, you know, the Orioles and the Rays. So I'm excited. We'll see. Uh, got a lot of, lot of ball left. I actually got invited to go to a game at one o'clock today, which, uh, I don't know why people invite me in the middle of the day, but definitely a no. If it was a Ravens game, that's different story. I don't, I don't even understand. Right, so let, let, let's, trans, let's transition to the future odds. I'm going to go now to NFL. I'm logged into one of our lovely legal books here in Maryland. Um, so let's talk about Super Bowl. We got Kansas City plus 600, Philly plus 800, Buffalo plus 900, Cincy plus 1,000, San Fran plus 1,000, Dallas plus 1,300. And we got to go all the way down to the Jets plus 1,800 tied with the Ravens. So we got the Jets. I know you've been watching that show. Uh, what's it called? The uh, with Hard Rogers. Knocks. You've got the hard. Really good. We're tied with. We're tied with Hard Knocks. So what do you think about that? Let's not even talk about the top teams. Let's just talk about the Jets versus the Ravens. How are they similar? How are they dissimilar? Why are the odds exactly the same? By the way, there's only two teams, two teams with those odds, so they share that plus eighteen hundred. Everything else that, that I mean, we're, is, I'll give you a very easy answer. Is Lamar like Rodgers? No, it's. I mean, you can't compare quarterback to quarterback. Well, well again, they're both getting player. the same respect or disrespect. Yeah, but that is again, that's that's square. For you to say that, um, they're call me square players. Uh, they could they could have the same odds. It's fifty two players on a team, and twenty two have to actually suit up and play a position. So one player having the same quarterback still doesn't matter. It's it's completely different. Um, Lamar is a a player with a whole new offense, whole new coordinator, um, who's going to utilize his strengths. He's going to be playing calls. I mean, he's going to be actually calling plays um, from the line, which he's never had the uh, ability to do before they 
claimed um, they were going to um, build around Lamar, but what they didn't build around Lamar was the offensive coordinator. So Todd Moncton coming from the Georgia Bulldogs, I mean, one of our favorite people and a good friend, Alan from the South, came on the show last week and did a football breakdown. Todd Moncton's done a lot of good things over there, and one of his strengths was spreading out the team, utilizing the tight end for more of the the H-back position. So I think Andrews is going to be in for a big year if he could stay healthy because he's going to have a lot of opportunities doing things he's never done before because it was just so basic. It was run and create versus actually, you know, a really diverse and and skilled um, route running, which that wasn't the case before. They just anticipated Lamar was going to just find open targets. But so I'm very excited. I mean, this kid Zay Flowers that is a rookie out of Boston College. They're talking about him already winning Rookie of the Year. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as giving him that without seeing him play against the number ones. But in his first preseason game, he had five plays and he had 37 yards and a touchdown. Again, Lamar didn't play the preseason. Um, Odell didn't play the preseason. He stays healthy. If Bateman's coming off injury, we have three really good receivers we have a couple others that we actually acquired in free agency, a really good offensive line, a running back that's coming off uh, injury last year in Dobbins. But that type of injury that he had usually takes about a year to recover. So year two is traditionally better. And the reason he wasn't in training camp had nothing to do with an injury. That was because of a contract holdout. So again, we have the pieces, we have a new coordinator, but, as as I say, all the good, the bad could be the early in the season, which is not enough reps. Those people haven't played with each other um, for in a real game, but they did have an off season. But again, it could, it could be a lot to all these players that have been on the team, which is Lamar, Dobbins, and Andrews that have never played in this offense, and it usually happens no different than. You know, segueing into the Jets, the Jets have a brand new quarterback who is the GOAT, Aaron Rodgers. The good thing is that he has his old offensive coordinator from Green Bay, Nathaniel Hackett. So having the same coordinator, they speak the same language. It's really up to the receivers to be dialed in because what's cool about hard knocks is you see the nuances of these great winning quarterbacks like Brady and Rodgers, and they don't take it lightly. If you don't run the right route, if you don't hustle back after running a 50-yard route, not getting the ball, and you're jogging, you're going to get called out. And Rodgers basically called them all out in, in the show. He said, you guys suck. You guys aren't running routes. You guys aren't being efficient. You're not where you're supposed to be. And it was funny, they, they called a guy in into the huddle who's been with Rodgers over 10 years. He's actually the in the show, they were saying that he's uh, Rodgers is the godfather of Randall Cobb's son. And uh, Randall Cobb was telling all the receivers in the huddle, if you don't run the route, and if Aaron Rodgers doesn't trust you, you're not going to get the ball. 
that's how he is. So these perfectionists like Brady, like Rogers, the reason why they're so successful is because they're so diligent in training and running the right timing. Yeah, but you just all of these my things. question. Why are they both? I'm getting there. The I'm getting there. We're doing a breakdown. I'm getting there. Break it down. Why are baby. they the same? They are. You're talking about the Jets have to get through the Bills. Miami, who's trending upward, if Tua could stay healthy, and the Patriots are definitely not a pushover. They're the second, maybe third best team in the division in their own AFC. So that, not saying that that's going to be, they could easily win the division and be, be better than the Bills, but they have to get through all of that just to actually get out of the AFC East. While the Ravens, same thing. Cincinnati, team to beat. As well as we played when we're, we're healthy and Lamar's in there, we beat them, but who knows if we could stay healthy. And the Bengals have done very well the last two years with Burrow making it to the Super Bowl and then again making it to the AFC Championship. Pittsburgh probably had the best preseason out of anybody. Their quarterback is literally not missed in the preseason. Pickett, second year, talent around him. That's a team to beat. I mean, you know, the Ravens Steelers are always going to be close in Cleveland. Second year for Deshaun Watson after him being suspended for a good portion of last year with his baggage that he came in there a whole off season. Very, very tough division. So not only do you have to win the division to have a home playoff game, but then you have to beat Kansas City. Maybe the dot, the Chargers that are up there. Denver is very good. I mean, there's so much talent in the AFC. Like the NFC has, I look at two teams. It's a two-headed race. You're talking about the 49ers and the Eagles. The rest, they're all average. In the AFC, not only the odds are, that's why they're plus 1,200 because you have to so get let me ask you, Chiefs. So, so let, me, let me ask you this question. Um, mm-hmm. if you were going to tell somebody to bet a future, put a futures, they only got two choices. I'm just nailing you down here. They're going to, there's two teams, hundred to 18 plus 1800. You got the jets and you got the Ravens. You really want a shot of value where you could do you something. Can't ask you know, you, come on, I got to ask you. I, I want it on documented on the air. Let's say the Ravens. Of okay. So there you go. That's not even a question. I think the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl this year. Talent alone on paper. Okay, so let me ask you this. Okay, so let's go back because we got 12 minutes left, and I know we could talk about this because we could just rename this the Ravens football show. So let me get back to this. So historically, the teams that did really, you know, the teams that went, Kansas City won the Super Bowl, they're plus 600, Philadelphia is plus 800. So those are the two, three top best teams, Kansas City, Philadelphia, Buffalo, based on no injuries going into regular season. Those teams historically are trash against the spread. So Kansas City last season was eight and eleven and one against the spread. You lose money. They were forty-two percent. Next Wednesday will be September sixth. We'll be sitting here having the same conversation, talking about Thursday's game, where Kansas City currently right now is six and a half, and they're hosting the Detroit uh, Lions. The question is, do you think, for the listeners listening now, that Kansas City is going to cross? to seven and a half or seven by this time next week. Like if you like Kansas City, to me it's a sucker play to play Kansas City. If they cross to seven, I will press 
the hell out of the Lions. Press. Okay. Lions so everybody, are for all you really guys know, the Lions, auto bet strategy is to fade Kansas City every week because you're going to make well, money. Not even the, there's no auto bet. You can't have an auto bet strategy when you're sports betting. There's no such thing. But if I see a crossover seven and I'm getting 105 at juice, I'm all I'm pressing the lines all day. Not saying that this again. I want to be clear to the listeners. There's no such thing as a game. When I say press, it's the wager is still the same. I'm not putting more money on the Lions versus any other team. But when it's an auto bet, when it crosses over that threshold of seven, that is such a huge factor in the NFL, three, seven, and ten, that if you can get that positive expected value price, that is huge. And, and we're not a question that stats. Why is it not even seven now? Why is Kansas City only six and a half? You would think they're well, opening I mean, the season that, at home. That, that we would have that island would have game. To do a whole another radio show on exactly. why six and a half. Because the the handle's not as nobody cares outside of sharps to bet the Kansas City Chiefs or the Lions or Cal on, or Cal Cal's right or Cal cares. on August thirtieth. Now, <laughs> when it's nine seven, and it's this time next week. On Thursday, everybody's going to be betting that game. Nobody cares about betting it early unless you're you, sharp. But you do know that's trying to get in the best lot side. It might even be eight by game time. Kansas City, I hope. Kansas City, Kansas City. Kansas I'll City. press it at seven, and then I'll bet it again at eight. That's what we emphasize is when we're getting down more money on a game, it's because the price keeps get, getting better in the favor. Now, again, um, D-Mill originates NFL. D-Mill does not originate college football. He is right. the great follower of the price. He knows when the sharps are moving on the price. He could tell by reading screens, no different than if you were, if I had NASDAQ up on the screen right now, and I'm trying to figure out if the, the, the price of Facebook is going to go up or down based on the new news that we get, you know, it's stuff like that. It's, it's all about following the money and making an experienced, sharp-level guess that you are following sharp money versus public money because the books you are following are not backing winners out. And, and that's a whole mentorship course in itself of how to do that. A lot of guys I talk to try to do it, and they're not successful at it because they're trying to – and look, when we were, uh, when we were just – in Florida, we were talking to a, a buddy of ours that basically figured out YouTube from YouTube. Sorry, let me rephrase. He figured out how to set up a studio from YouTube. Learning, educating, that type of thing is possible. It's very You're not going to go on YouTube. Yeah, it's self-taught. How to do the proper lighting, how to do the proper sound, all of that. Now, you can't go on YouTube to figure out how to be a sharp. There's so much more that goes into it because you do your homework, then we would basically check your homework. No different than when your, you know, your, your daughter comes home from school tonight and she says, dad, check my homework. It's similar to what we did with the mentorship course. You should get the same answer. It's been 30 years. Sorry. You got to check Google. <laughs> right. So it's, this is way more effective 
if you have somebody do the homework for you, that's the Telegram program. We do the homework for you. You live your life. You have the freedom because at the end of the day, nobody wants to work and be stuck in an office 24 hours a day working and not enjoying life. So the Telegram program that we offer to all clients is we do the homework. We teach you just to put the selection in your accounts. Is it painful for you following though, it that you can't play golf on the weekends? Is it for all the for the human yeah, side? Yeah, of it? you know, I, got, I you know, early, I'd say early on when I first started playing, the first couple of years, the obsession was so high that I jumped the gun and wanted to do it. Now that I have more balance, like now I used to play four times a week. Now I'm down to two times a week. Every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm at the course at the country club, enjoying it, walking, getting my steps in. Every Monday and Wednesday. I'm at this crazy bodybuilder gym with nobody has shirts on. If there was a guy today, and I think he's a trainer there. He's got to be 60, I take 62. This guy is sitting there flexing. Now, when I say flexing, it's like he's competing, and I, he right, definitely right, has right. to be competing because he's, he's doing the poses. Yeah, yeah. And he's in phenomenal shape. I'm like, 60. He's got he's to be in his 60s. He's got to be. I might even ask. Next time I see him, I'm going to ask him. But it, phenomenal shape. So these guys are grinding 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. They're in there putting in work, and then they leave and they go on and they have you know whatever they have to do in the day. So nobody that's actually successful, they don't want to sit in the, you know, sit by their phones and look at screens all day. They want to be told what to do, how to do it, and be successful at it. So that's what Telegram is in a nutshell. We do the work. All you have to do is follow it. It takes less than five minutes a day. And then I coach you whether to, if you missed the spread and you had a couple hours where you weren't checking your phone and the line is gone, I tell you to wait in which you either bet it or forget it. I got it. I got it, man. I got it. Like, And, you know, the whole thing is for me, from a from a betting point of view, people will st- just forget about baseball. So let's talk about that real quick. I'm not going to forget about baseball. Um, no, Cal never forget. Served now, me midway up, through September, we do. He served me up. We, we do forget about it midway through September. What's that? Uh, well, she, Cal served me up the percentages. Favorites year to date. I said this in the beginning of the season. Go back. It's archived. Dogs win 40% of the time. Well, guess what? Favorites have won 57.62% of the time. 1146 and 843 total risk 3,192,990,000 with a net loss of 153,750. Your return on favorites this season is minus 4.82%. Now, if you flip that, it's also a loss. So if you bet every dog this season, you've won 42.3% of the time. So you actually, the dogs have done 2.3% better than the 60-40 that I always say, you've lost 2.5% if you bet every dog this season, you've lost $51,000. So the point is, if you're betting all dogs, you're going to lose. If you're betting all favorites, you're going to lose. If you spot play dogs, you're going to win. If you spot play favorites, you're going to lose. And when I say favorite, I mean anything over 20 cents, 30 cents, 40 cents. I don't mean, you know, like a scratch favorite, like, you know, 
So it's it's very interesting for people out there, especially with my underdog system that I'm about to launch in football for the second year, where I do my 80-20 system, where I bet 80% on the point spread, I bet 20% on the money line. Remember, the stats are basically different in football. Instead of it's 60-40, it's real important. It's 50-50. Dogs are 50%. So if you bet every dog on the point spread, or you bet every favorite on the point spread across all sports, basketball, football, college, and pro, you're 50% at the end of the season. Same thing with the over and unders. Believe it or not, you're 50% over the end of the season. So it's not 40%, 40-60, it's 50-50. Now, the wild part is of the 50% of the underdogs that cover, because it will be exactly 50%, 20 to 25% of those of that 50%, which is basically 50% of the 50% went out right. So that's where you make all your money. Treating football like baseball, betting the underdogs on the money line, a portion of it, which is why I was 121 and 161 last season, uh, down 40 games because of the money line on the underdogs, plus an average odds of plus 314 plus 196 units, where you have services like other ones that do the whole load the game, pass on the game. They're, they're shooting for 15 units a season. So this is something unique that I do that really no sharps do because most sharps are looking at getting the best number. Mike, they're not looking at the actual underdog on the money line. Yeah, it's uh, it, strategies only work if you implement them to – Every talk about the Ravens because the music's going to start. So we always have to talk about the nah, Ravens when the music starts. There's nothing. Uh, you know what? It's, it's an <laughs> off week. There's no, there's no. There's no preseason. There's only three weeks in preseason, so there's it's an off week. I'll be glad to talk about them on next week's show as we get ready for Week One against the wonderful Houston Texans. The biggest favorite on the board, Week One. Ravens currently right now minus ten. Key number and a key number, three and seven. The highest favorite on the board in week one, 10. You know, that every, you know that every sharp and their mom is going to be betting Houston. Marketing to the Bank will be back for another week. SportsInsiderRadio.com. Have a good one. Yeah.